Why don't you grab a seat? Why don't you grab a seat? Well, good morning, and it is great to have you here. If, uh, if you're new to True North, welcome. My name's Dean, one of the pastors here, and it's just great to have you on this day, this day that kind of defines everything for those of us who are uh, followers of Jesus. Uh, we've been this Easter in a series called Unexpected Easter leading up to this day because everything about Jesus and who he is and, and this whole Easter season, the, the crazy thing about all of it is everything about it is totally unexpected. And, uh, and, and most of all, the most unexpected event in human history that has ever happened, the most unpredictable, the most unexpected, the most radical thing that could ever take place was that morning we heard read about when the followers of Jesus went to his tomb and found it empty. And that day, this unexpected event that someone who had been publicly put to death would no longer, would not stay dead, was the most unexpected thing that could have ever happened. It is still to this day the most unexpected thing that ever happened. And, and it is the, the, this one event that can define the, and changes everything that's ever gone before or ever come after. It's a day that forces us to actually ask this question, who is this Jesus? Who is he? Because what is so clear, what no one would argue about uh, uh, throughout history is that Jesus was put to death in a very, the most public way possible, executed on a cross for all to see. No one doubts that that happened. No serious historian, no one doubts that that happened. That much is clear to everyone. But what is unexpected and, 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 and causes all the, the questioning of minds is, but what happened next? Why did he not just fade into obscurity after that moment like so many other figures who had come before him? And we're going to look today at what it means to see Jesus for who he is. I love what uh, Bono, the lead singer of U2, uh, says about Jesus. He was, Bono's a, a believer in Christ and a follower of Jesus. And, uh, and, and when asked about his belief in Jesus as being alive, you know, one of the things that uh, he said in an interview uh, he talked about how uh, the thing about Jesus is that he went around claiming he was the son of God. He claimed he was the Messiah. That's why they killed him. And he says now, and uh, what Bono said, in fact, I'll read it for you. I love how he puts this. He says, you know, he was crucified because he was the son of my, because he said he was the son of God. So either in my view, he was the son of God or he was nuts. And I find it hard to accept that whole millions and millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years, have been touched and have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutters. I just don't, I just don't believe it. And, and I love that picture because this is the question that everyone has to wrestle with. Who, who was he? Was he just, uh, you know, some guy, we, we sometimes try to think, was he just a great teacher? But he said he was the son of God. He's either the son of God or he's just some nutter. And the question we're going to remember, we're going to think about today is, you know, who is this Jesus? You know, there's a, a story that takes place just a couple days after uh, the resurrection. It, it takes place right uh, on that, right in the immediate kind of aftermath of the empty tomb. And we're going to look at this story today and just read through. It's the story of two of Jesus' followers who once he'd been put to death, they, they leave Jerusalem, the city where all this is happening. And they're walking along a road, heading back to a village, this town called Emmaus. And they have this kind of unexpected encounter with Jesus. 
And, and this is, it's a great little snapshot of what it's like to try and recognize who Jesus is. We're going to see in these two who actually get to walk with Jesus and, and don't even realize what's going on. They don't recognize him right in front of them. And we're going to look today at what it sometimes looks like to, to come to the process of recognizing Jesus for who he is. So we're going to dive into this story. This comes from Luke chapter 24. And, uh, and he tells the story, records it like this. He says, now that same day, two of them, these are two of Jesus' followers. It's the same day of the empty tomb. That, two, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. That wouldn't sound like a long journey for us, but when you're just walking, it's a bit further. And they were talking with each other as they walked about everything that had happened. This is in the aftermath of, you know, the, a week before, everyone had come to Jerusalem and, and Jesus riding down the hill, the palm branches waving. But then only a few days later, Jesus going to the cross and, and, and then having been put to death. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. This phrase, they, they were discussing these things. Do you know what they were it kind of talks about the fact they're trying to make sense in this moment of everything they've seen happen. They're trying to make sense of the crucifixion. They're trying to make sense of, of you know, the temple curtain being torn. They're trying to make sense of, of the darkness that swept over the city. They're trying to make sense of now the fact that that morning they're told that the tomb is empty. They're, they're discussing it. They're wrestling it. They're walking around. They're trying to figure it out. They're puzzled. They're trying to put the pieces together. And it says that Jesus came up and started walking with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Somehow they just, Jesus, the, the Spirit of God keeps them from, get, from seeing who he is. And Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? One of the cool things about resurrected Jesus after the cross, he's a little bit cheeky. Like everywhere, if you start reading through all the gospel accounts, he's constantly showing up, doing unexpected things, and just kind of, you know, just doing kind of cheeky stuff all over the place. So he asked them, so what are you guys talking about? What are you discussing as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? I love this question. Are you the only, like in the whole city, what are we discussing? What are we discussing? Are you like the only person who has no idea what's been going on these past few days? Have you been living under a rock? And Jesus like, yeah, just for a couple days, but uh, you know, they're just like, do you not know? How can you not? Everybody knows. Everybody's seen it. And then here's Jesus. What things? He asked. This is Jesus. What, what things? He's going to draw it out. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped, we had hoped, we had hoped. This is why their faces were so downcast. This is why they were so heartbroken. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, if that's all not kind of crazy enough, in addition, some of our women amazed us. 
They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he, and this angel had said that he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. You know what's amazing in this story? Here, here, here we look at it. Jesus begins to, to talk to these guys. Now, can you imagine this? Like Jesus is literally with them, but they don't recognize him. They don't see him. Jesus is literally right in front of them, but they are kept from recognizing him. They just, they can't see him. And Jesus is going to start to explain to them, you know, what's going on. He starts asking them, you know, so what, what do you think? Now, here's one of the things that I, I think one of the great challenges that we have sometimes is to see something that's like right in front of us, something that's so clear. This morning we had a, we, we did a little Easter egg hunt in our house. And, uh, and I had hidden the eggs. And we sent our son, he's six, to look and find them. And what became clear was that I am a very good egg hider. <laughs> and uh, it became so clear. And, in fact, every egg had a little something different in it. So when there was 12, we were trying to find. And in the end, I could not find one of the eggs. We looked. We hunted. I don't know where it was. I still can't find where it is. And the egg hunt will continue into the near future. But... You know, sometimes you can be searching and looking for something and you can miss what's right in front of you. These guys, they are trying to make sense of who Jesus is because this was not what they expected. He had been a teacher, a prophet. They say he's powerful in word and deed. He's done miracles. He's healed people. He's been teaching. But how, is, how did this happen that he ended up nailed to a cross? How did it happen that he ended up crushed by the Roman Empire like so many that come before? They can't make sense of it. And so they've turned and they've walked away from Jerusalem. It's like there's nothing left to see here. And they're walking away. And here comes Jesus right beside them and they can't even see him. Do you know the most important thing, any of us, if this is true that Jesus rose from the dead, the most important thing in life that can happen for any one of us is to see Jesus for who he is. To recognize who he is and what he's done. But you know what sometimes makes it difficult, I think, for all of us to see Jesus, to see where he's at work or to see who he is. One of the greatest challenges, why we call this series Unexpected Easter, is our expectations of what he should do. Jesus is asking them, you know, what is it? What are you so upset about? What's gone wrong? And what are you talking about? And they say, you know, this at the heart of why these guys were so heartbroken, at the core of all of it, was they said, we had hoped he was going to be the one who would redeem Israel. They had hoped that he would fix their most pressing problem that they knew. The problem of them being under the thumb of the Romans. The problem of them, they, they hoped he was going to come, become king take care of the situation they found themselves in. And when Jesus died, it was like, well, what, what's left? That's what we were hoping for. You know, our, our tendency in life, and one of the expectations that can keep us from seeing what Jesus wants to do, is we, we tend to focus sometimes on whatever the pressing problem is that's kind of right in front of us. And when we think about God, we want God to be someone who will fix the problems that are right in front of us. Their greatest problem they were facing was this issue of Rome. And Jesus hadn't fixed that problem. 
And what they had missed was that Jesus was working on a different problem. Jesus was actually coming to fix a bigger problem than they had even kind of conceived of. Jesus was coming to fix the problem of death itself. The single greatest problem of life is sin and death. But it's one that we sometimes get distracted from because we have another problem, the Romans, the political, the power, the whatever situation this is. You know, in, in the scriptures, there's a great story of uh, Jesus. At one point, he was in a house, and he's teaching, and, and people are listening to him teach. He's got a reputation growing that he can heal people. He can fix people's problems, if you will, that way. And he's in this house, and he's teaching, and the crowds have gathered, and they're surrounding him so much so you can't even get into this house. And there's this guy who cannot walk. He's paralyzed. He, he can't move. And his friends know that Jesus is in this house. And so they say, we're going to take you to Jesus because Jesus could probably heal you. He could fix this problem. And they can't get in. There's a crowd. There's people everywhere. And so they end up climbing up on top of the roof. They dig through the ceiling, through the roof. And they lower their friend on a mat right down into the center of the room right in front of Jesus. It's an incredible story. And so here's this guy now laying on a mat, and Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. Now imagine you're the guy on the mat, you're paralyzed, you can't move. You've heard Jesus can heal people, and your friends have gone through all this work to drop you down through a roof. And there you are, you're right by Jesus, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Do you know what, you could probably understand if the guy laying there sort of felt like, that's not what I'm here for. My sins are forgiven? Well, that's great. I don't know if you noticed, but I can't move. I can't walk. What he went there for that day, what his friends took him for that day, was to be healed, to be fixed, to have this problem taken care of. And he gets lowered down and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And then it tells us that Jesus kind of knew some of the things that were going on in people's minds as they're watching this unfold. And Jesus says to them, he says, what do you think's easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? I mean, because you could probably be like, oh, yeah, your sins are forgiven. That's easy. Anybody could say that. I could just say that. How do you know? Is that true? Is that not true? I mean, you're just saying something. You don't really see a difference. Nothing happens immediately in front of you. How do you know? And Jesus says, what do you think is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? And the rhetorical answer would be, well, it would be much harder to say get up and walk. I mean, that you're going to know immediately. Did that happen? Did that not happen? That's, that's just not something. And Jesus says this. He says, but so that you may know. That the Son of Man himself has authority to forgive sins so that you can know that when I say your sins are forgiven, I mean it. That so that you can know when I say your sins are forgiven, that is true. Jesus says, get up and walk. He says, this is going to be a demonstration that, that I am able to say your sins are forgiven. And the man gets up and walks and he goes out celebrating and thanking God for all God's done. You know what I love about that story is it reminds us that. You know, this guy had a problem, he had a challenge, and he wanted to take it to Jesus. But he didn't realize there was a bigger problem. Jesus could see the bigger problem. That actually, to say, get up and walk, and I fixed your problem, and you can walk, but your sins have not been dealt with, that you have not yet addressed the deepest issues of life and the human heart. You know, in, in sports, there's this uh, saying that, 
Father time is undefeated. Anybody ever heard that phrase? Father time is undefeated. And it's a way of saying, it's a way of saying when you have like a, in fact, just the other week there's a, in the, in the American Football League, there's this quarterback named Tom Brady. He'll be one of the greatest athletes to ever, you know, play the uh, American football by far. He's 39 years old, 30, 38, 39 years young, I should say. And, uh, and he just won the Super Bowl. And this is like no one who wins Super Bowls at 38, 39. And, and, and then the owner was talking about, we hope he plays another 10 years. And sports writers were talking about him. And they said, you know what, you never want to bet against Tom Brady. I mean, the guy's won, you know, all these Super Bowls. He's done it all. And, and, but the phrase is always, but you can never bet against father time. No matter what, no matter how great, we, you know, kind of how athletic we are, how, how physically gifted and talented we are when we're young and in our 20s and things like that. And, and you can have an athlete, no matter how gifted and talented, no matter what, at a certain point, the body starts to, to grow older and, and it starts to deteriorate. There is a common enemy that every human being faces, and it is the enemy of death itself. And Jesus on the cross was saying, that's the problem I've come to deal with. The problem of sin. The problem that something's broken in the human heart. The problem of death itself. He was saying to this guy on the mat, I'll, I can make you walk so that you understand that I'm actually doing what I'm saying I'm doing. I'll do that to demonstrate the reality of my authority and power. But what I've really come to do is to fix the bigger, bigger problem. Sin and death. Apart, death, everything that doesn't address death is just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. That's what Jesus is saying. That's great. We can fix stuff here. We can fix stuff there. But father time is undefeated. Until Jesus, death itself was undefeated. Death won every battle to that point. And these guys, they're, they're struggling to make sense of what's happened. Because they thought Jesus was going to fix their problem. They thought he was going to fix this issue of, of Rome and, and the power and the political situation they were in. But Jesus said, I've come. I'm working on a much bigger problem. In fact, Jesus goes on and he begins to explain to them exactly what he's doing. And as they walk and talk, they get this pretty amazing moment. Jesus says to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He said to them in the older translations specifically, he says to the men, and I love that Jesus says to the men, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. When my wife says, well, how could you get that wrong? I say, I'm a foolish man, you know. Oh, Jesus is talking to these two guys. He says, how foolish you are. Jesus is, is talking to these guys. It's such a beautiful little picture because they've been talking about the women, and the women went and saw it, and they got it. And Jesus is like, you guys, you're so foolish, and you're so slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He says, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And here they're, they're like a bit puzzled, like, well, I'm not sure we follow. And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now this is this amazing moment because they are going to get Jesus. is going to open up the scriptures, open up all that is written in the scriptures, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. And he's going to teach them about how all of this, all these stories, all the things they knew and thought they understood that were right in front of them. They've missed what was right in front of them. 
that actually all of it was pointing to Jesus. All of it was pointing to this moment. Man, wouldn't you love to have been on the road with these guys that day and to get Jesus himself explaining? I mean, if you've ever read some of the Old Testament, if you read the Bible, there's parts of it you read and you're just like, I'm not sure I understand. Wouldn't you love to have Jesus just explaining all of it to you? Starting with Moses, he explained to them how all of it was actually about himself. He must have started with Moses and began to tell them about how, do you know that story? The Israelites, and they were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. They were slaves of Pharaoh. They were not free. They were, they were in slavery. And God sent a deliverer, someone who would rescue them and bring them out of that slavery and into freedom. And Jesus telling them, do you realize that I am now the true Moses and the greater Moses who has come to rescue my people and to set them free, not from slavery to Egypt, from slavery to sin. And how he would have explained to them that moment when, when the people of Israel were instructed that, and the people of Egypt told as well that death was going to pass over and, and death was coming and was going to take the firstborn. And if you wanted death to pass over, you needed to sacrifice a perfect, innocent lamb and take the blood of that lamb and put it on your doorpost. And if you did that, then death would pass by. It would pass over that home and death would not touch it and you would live. And that Jesus would have explained to them that actually that is who the Messiah is. That is who I am. I am the perfect, innocent lamb who has been sacrificed. That was a picture pointing to me. Only now it's not that blood on the doorpost, but actually when you trust in my blood that was shed on the cross, when it's applied to your heart, then death itself has no power over you any longer. And he would have gone through all the scriptures and helped them see how, I think he probably, he may have stopped and said, you know, David, this king, do you know that there was a point when the people, they were afraid and fearful of this great enemy, Goliath, this giant that they thought there was no way to defeat Goliath. And, and we're powerless against him. But God sent a king who would fight on behalf of the people and miraculously delivered them from this giant they couldn't face. And Jesus would have said, you realize that's a picture pointing to me. I am the true and greater David. I am the true king who has come and won a victory on behalf of all people. An enemy that no one could conquer. He explains, you know what I love about that, that, that phrase is it reminds us that, you know, God is writing a much bigger picture than we realize. And one of the reasons we can sometimes find it hard to see Jesus or recognize Jesus is because we just miss the big, big story of what God is doing and the story he's writing. That actually everything Jesus, he says in all the prophets, and all the scriptures, all of it is pointing to Jesus. All of it is helping tell the story of how God is redeeming and rescuing people. Not just dealing with small problems, but was at work to rescue us from the biggest problem possible. The problem of sin and death. And all of it was about Jesus. Do you know something? There is a bigger story that God is writing. And when in each of our lives... God wants to show us how our lives fit into the bigger picture of what he's writing. You know, I love all these stories that you heard today. People who have now encountered Christ, have seen Christ, have chosen to follow Christ. And, and every one of them has a 
very different story of what their life has looked like and how, how they've come to know Jesus. And they all come from different backgrounds. They're at different stages of life. They're, you know, some of them couldn't be more different from one another, but what they all share in common is that now all of their stories have found their place in God's big story. And God has reached into their life and has used the circumstances of each one of their lives to help them come to know who Jesus is. And I want you to know for every one of us, this is what God wants to do for us. He wants to take the situations and moments of our life and use them to help us understand who Jesus is. To find the answer to the one problem that no one else can solve. The problem of death itself. Because that was the problem Jesus came to fix, to conquer. And when you know that problem has been taken care of, when you know that enemy has been defeated, then everything else in life is seen through a whole different light. No matter how challenging the situation, no matter how dark the night feels, you can stamp hope on it because death has been conquered. You can say, because he lives, I can make it through this. Because he lives, I know that this challenge, situation, problem, whatever it may be, will not be the last word. Jesus has had the last word. And the last word is that the tomb is empty, he is risen, and life is offered to all who believe. Jesus, as he walks with them, he, he, they end up uh, getting to, to sit down for a meal. In fact, it says as they approach, they've been walking, they've been talking, they've been getting a master class on the scriptures from Jesus himself. And it says that as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, you guys stop, I'm going to go. But they urged him strongly, come on, come on, stay with us. For it's nearly evening, the day is almost over, it's going to be dark, don't keep traveling. So he goes in to stay with them. So he stops and it says that when he was at the table with them, something wild happens. He goes from being the guest in their home to all of a sudden playing the role of the host. And he takes the bread, he took bread and he gives thanks and he broke it. And then he began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. That's what I mean. He's just cheeky. That's it. We find, we got it. Boom, gone. Come on. We've been walking all day. We finally get it, and now come on. You know, the, this is the moment, you know, it becomes visible. They see him. They recognize him. They finally get to see who he is. Do you know what I love is that, you know, it's at, you know, the moment they get to see who he is, the moment they get to grasp it, the moment it all becomes real for them is when they sit with him at the table and he takes this bread and he gives it to him. Do you know what Jesus is after and that pathway, the, the, the doorway to getting the life that he wants from us is when we come into relationship, when we come into connection with Jesus. When we begin to sit with him at the table, the way, uh, the way you would sit with a friend. Do you know that what he wants for each one of us, the, the way that life is given to us is when we begin to know him. Not to, it wasn't in a moment of going and going back to the temple or, or going through a, a religious kind of moment. It was when they sat at the table their eyes are open. They see him because what Jesus wants most of all and what will carry us uh, through this life and into the eternal life he 
he died and rose to secure for us is having a relationship, a connection with himself. As he, as he sit there, the guys, they say this. They says they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? You know, while he was talking, something was happening. I'm not sure if this was them kind of going, no, we're not really that slow. We did. We had a thought, right? Did you think? I thought, no, I, you know. That's kind of how you do sometimes. But for these guys, what they're saying is, you know, wait, something was happening on the inside of us when he was talking. Our hearts were burning within us. It says they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. Now they're like, forget it, we're going back. It's nighttime, don't care. We're going back to Jerusalem right now. And there they find the 11, his disciples and those with them. They're all assembled together. And they're all saying, it's true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. And then those two told everybody, this is what happened to us while we were on our way. And we recognized Jesus when he broke the bread. You know, this is the moment at the, the kind of turning point in every one of our lives. The, the most important moment that can ever take place is the moment something begins to burn in our hearts that says, this is real. This is for me. I'm beginning to see Jesus for who he is. Not just some teacher, not just some miracle doer, not just some prophet, not just another historical figure, but he is the son of God. He is the one who is alive forever and ever. He is the one who dealt with the biggest problem facing humanity, the one problem no one else could fix or solve, the problem of sin and death. That's who Jesus is. And the biggest moment that can happen is when our hearts begin to just say, yes. I believe and I see him for who he is. And what goes along with that is that in that moment, Jesus, uh, it, it, what will happen if, if you've ever made that decision or, or the moment that you do is that Jesus begins to change all your plans. Suddenly where they were walking away from Jerusalem, they're turned around and they're going right back the other direction from which they just come. Because the only thing that begins to matter to them is we've got to know, is this true? Is this real? Is this who he is? Because if this is what's going on, then it's going to change our plans entirely. And their lives completely turned upside down. You know, this is, none of it was what these two guys would have expected. They didn't expect that Jesus was going to end up on a cross. They didn't expect that he was going to end up dying and being buried in a tomb. And then they never expected he would be alive three days later. The most unexpected thing that's ever happened. But this is what Easter tells us. This is what the resurrection is all about. It tells us that, in fact, the greatest enemy that we will ever face, sin and death, has been taken care of. And for all who recognize Jesus for who he is, we can know eternal life. John 3.16 reminds us what sums it up. That God so loved the world. That wherever we wonder, what was all this about? The cross, the empty tomb, what was it all about? That God so loved the world, each one of us, each individual so loved us that he gave his only son, Jesus, to go to the cross. He gave his only son and that whoever believes in him, who recognizes him, sees him for who he is, will not perish. Death will have no more hold, but will have eternal life. This new life that begins now and goes forever when we recognize who he is. You know, this morning the band's going to come up and we're going to sing together in a moment.
And we're going to sing as we just celebrate that there is a, a freedom that we can know in Christ. But I want to encourage you this morning, if you are someone who has recognized Jesus, that this morning uh, to take a moment and just to thank him for revealing himself to you, for, for working through the circumstances of your life that you might know him and see him. Just thank him and praise him for that. And I want to encourage you if you're someone who's like, you know, I, I'm not quite sure. Maybe you feel a little bit like those two guys. Like there's something burning in my heart. I think there's something to this, but I feel like I've got I've to go after this. I've got to find out more. I've got I've to see is this real. Can I encourage you? One of the greatest things you could do is to actually say, you know what, Lord, if you are real, help me to see. It says that the Lord opened their eyes. And one of the boldest, bravest prayers you could pray is just to say, Jesus, if you are really the Son of God and if you are alive, would you open the eyes of my heart that I might see you? And just to ask him to reveal himself to you. And he'll begin to do that. I can't convince you and I can't, you know, it's not something anyone can do. He has to do a work to reveal himself to you. But one of the boldest things you can pray is, Lord, if you're real, would you open my eyes? Help me to see you. In fact, on your chair, you'll see a, a card there as well. It's a simple step you can take. It's called Alpha. It's a course we're starting next week, uh, we're holding it down in our, our Mullaloo campus. And, and Alpha is a course where you just get to investigate who is Jesus. And every week you get to have a bit of food and a hot drink. And you get to watch a video that, that just kind of shares a bit about, you know, just the historical facts often of what has happened and, and why we believe that Jesus is who he says he was. And you get to ask questions and investigate it. You get to kind of go back and talk to others and just think, you know what, but this is, is this really who he is? Because there is no more important question than any of us can answer than who is Jesus? Who do we see him to be? Because if we believe he is the son of God, it changes everything. And if you'd like to be a part of that course, I encourage you, uh, you, can, you can sign up on our next steps card. You'll see it on your chair. Just say, hey, I'd like to do this. You can do that in the app. But can I encourage you to maybe, you know what, Easter 2017, that was the year I decided I've got to find out for myself who is this Jesus. I'll invite you to stand. Would you pray with me? Just bow your head for a moment. Just close your eyes for a moment. And if your prayer today is to thank Jesus for his work in your life, would you spend a few moments just thanking him? Just give him thanks. Just praising him within the quiet of your own heart. Thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself to me. And if the prayer of your heart today is that you want to you know, maybe to pray that bold prayer, Lord, if, if you are who the scriptures say you are, would you reveal yourself to me? Would you help me to have eyes that can see you for who you are? Lord, this morning on Easter Sunday, we thank you that the tomb is empty. We thank you that you have conquered the one enemy that no one else could. You have conquered sin and death itself. 
We thank you that, Lord, we can go through this life with hope, a hope that nothing and no one can ever take from us, a hope that transforms every situation, a hope that's so much bigger than the small expectations we sometimes have. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you continue to reveal yourself to people today. We thank you for every story of these baptisms we see today and, and for the ways you revealed yourself to each one. And our prayer is that for every person in this room, you might work through the circumstances and situations of our life to reveal yourself to be who you are, the son of God, conqueror of death, the one who has dealt with sin and who offers eternal life to each one of us. May we know it in our hearts. May it transform our hearts, our souls. May it transform us from the inside out. And may it bring uh, your hope into our lives, a hope that nothing can ever take away. Jesus, we praise you for the risen king you are. It's in your name that we can stand here. It's in your name that we can celebrate. It's in your name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.